All right, everybody. Welcome to Horn Takes Live. I'm your host, Sean Redfern. This is the first broadcast of the Horn Takes Travel and Road Show. We are live from an undisclosed location in Columbus, Mississippi. Staying in Mississippi tonight because hotel prices in Tuscaloosa are just absolutely insane. I'm talking $2,000, $1,500 a night. There was one hotel that's a sorry hotel. It was like $800 a night. We can't do that. Interesting little story about accommodations for this game in Tuscaloosa about six or eight months ago. I uh, I went on VRBO and I found a really nice place real close to campus. And I said, that's where we're going to stay. It was relatively cheap. So I jumped on it, booked it. The next day I get an email from the owner. She says, we didn't get a chance to update our prices. We just went live, yada, yada, yada. But I'll give you a 10% discount for the mix up. I said, well, what does that make the price? She said $1,900 a night. I said, you're going to have to cancel that because I'm not canceling it. So she did. She canceled it. So now I'm staying in Mississippi, but that's all right. Check us out on Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube at Horn Takes. If you just like to listen to podcasts, you can check us out at horntakespodcast.buzzsprout.com or anywhere that you listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all the podcast places. I hope it's okay with this stream. I'm in a hotel or the uh, internet's not that great, but we'll, we'll get through it. Little quick recruiting roundup. Four-star Edge Zena Omiozulu commits to Texas. That's the brother of Neto Omiozulu, offensive lineman for the University of Texas. Really good get, really athletic kid out of Allen, Texas. I'm excited to see Sark continue to add talent to that defensive end group because the defensive end group is where you make hay in any kind of football, but especially over in the SEC. And then five-star offensive tackle Brandon Baker out of California has set his commitment date for September 24th. Lots of buzz about him winding up in Texas, although I think Ohio State is in the mix, and I think probably Oregon State – or excuse me, Oregon is in the mix. But I think it's going to be Texas. We'll find out October 24th. Now let's move on to our week two Trace Other Games. The Trace Other Games are just the three games that I like, that I'm interested in outside of the Texas game every week. We break them down, we make predictions, and then we find out how terrible or how great we did the next week. We recap it on Tuesday or Monday or whatever day it is. So this first game, uh, if, if a game would have went a different way last week, I wouldn't have even cared about this game. But I think Nebraska at number 22, Colorado, is one that I'm very interested in. This game kicks at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time on Fox. Colorado is a two-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. Got Nebraska trying to bounce back from a tough loss in a game that they controlled way late into the game. They just let it slip away. And with the last minute and a half, they gave up 13 points or 10 points or something. Uh, anyway, just a just a really not a great start for, for Rule there in Nebraska. And then you got Colorado that's trying to maintain their momentum at home after going on the road and beating a ranked TCU team uh, and playing really well in that game. I think some keys to this game is can CU stay grounded? Can Colorado stay grounded? There's going to be a big crowd there in Boulder. There's going to be tons of national buzz for this game. Everybody's talking about it. The fans are going to be sky high for this game. You got Shadur Sanders coming off one of the greatest passing days in Colorado history. In fact, the greatest day passing in Colorado history. You got Coach Prime and his hype machine going. You, you know, this team's got a us against the world attitude. I think there's a lot of distraction there. It'll be interesting to see if this team can come in 
focus like they did on that road trip at TCU and how well they can play in this game. On the flip side, you got Nebraska. I think the first question for me there is, what is their game plan defensively? We watched TCU sit back, watch TCU let Shadur Sanders have a lot of easy throws. We watched him complete a lot of those easy throws, and then we watched his skill guys just really run through and run around TCU. TCU couldn't tackle him. TCU couldn't catch him. I wonder if we're going to see a different game plan out of Nebraska, maybe some more in-your-face coverage, maybe some more blitzing, trying to get after Shadur Sanders and make him uncomfortable because, as we saw in that TCU game, if he's comfortable, it's bad for you. So I think Nebraska's really got to try their best to get him off time, uncomfortable. We'll see if they can do it. And then I think the other question, can the offense score any points? I mean, that was a very anemic performance in week one against a Minnesota team that's – they're Minnesota. I mean, they're not terrible, but they're not a great defensive team probably. Too early to tell at this point in the season, but I don't think we'll be talking about Minnesota at the end of the season as a great defense, and Nebraska just couldn't do anything. And then I think, can Matt Rule sort of take this team on the road – real under the radar and get it done. Nobody's talking about Nebraska right now at all. All the talk is about Colorado. Prediction of this team, I think CU's defense is bad until further further notice. Notice, excuse me. I think Nebraska's offense is bad until further notice. One of those two things is going to have to give on Saturday. I'm a glutton for punishment. Two makes a trend. If Colorado can win this game, then I'll start talking about how Colorado can start winning a lot of games. But until then, I think Nebraska is going to figure out a way to get it done. The offense is going to start clicking this week on the road in Colorado. I think Nebraska is going to win this game 31 to 27. Game number two, number 23, Texas A&M at Miami. This one kicks at 2.30 p.m. Central Standard Time on ABC. A&M is a four-point favorite right now. Both of these programs are a little down after last year, and I think they're both looking to make a statement, and this is a big opportunity to make a statement in a in a game early in the season. I think the AM offense looked really good in week one. Connor Wiegman had 236 yards, five touchdowns. The running game was decent with Amari Daniels at about 7.3 yards per carry. Canes had a blowout win over Miami of Ohio. Tyler Van Dyke with a 200. 201 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. But Miami was able to amass 250 yards on the ground in this game. Hard to tell too much about these early games and these early blowouts, especially against opponents that aren't up to par physically. But I think you look at this game, and I wonder if Aggie will struggle offensively against a more athletic defense under first-year offensive coordinator Bobby Petrino. I know they – Looked like a well-oiled machine against New Mexico or New Mexico State, whoever it was. But I think Miami, regardless of whether they're up or down, they're going to have athletes. And then I think, can the Canes ground game, can they make some hay against a really talented A&M front four and front seven? Again, as I said, this is a tough one. Uh, both of these schools keep trying to find ways to not be good, despite the fact that I feel like they both have some talent. I don't think these two early blowout wins they had against inferior opponents were really telling us much. I think Miami's going to try to lean on the run really early in this game. Can the AM defensive line live up to the potential, stop the run, get after the quarterback, cause some turnovers? I think they will. I think AM will win this game 38 to 28. 
Third game of Trace other games, number 13, Oregon at Texas Tech. This one kicks at 6 p.m. Central Time on Fox. Oregon's a six-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. Oregon just dropped 81 on Portland State in, in week one. Bo Nix looked really good, 287 yards passing, three touchdowns. Oregon had nearly 350 yards on the ground against Portland State and seven touchdowns. And then you got Tech looking to bounce back from a double OT loss on the road at Wyoming. Joey McGuire, there's a lot of drama going on in the program right now. You've got Joey McGuire telling fans to shut up if they're not on board. you got big-time Tech boosters saying they've done all they can financially to make this team a success. you gotten player, you got players shooting videos imploring the fans to come out for the games. Just a just a kind of wild start for Texas Tech's season, given the expectations that Texas Tech had. But you know, before they kicked off the ball in Wyoming, Texas Tech was gonna play for the Big 12 championship, supposedly. Texas Tech finally had a shot to have a really great season. Yada yada yada. They go 0-1, and then the whole world flips on its head for them. There's all kinds of drama. It'll be interesting to see if they can get focused and ready to play this game. I think the offensive or the offense was good enough in that Wyoming game for them to win. Tyler Shuck threw for 338 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception. The offensive line did give up three sacks in that game, and they only managed 93 yards on the ground and a touchdown. So I think there may be some offensive line issues with Texas Tech. We'll see how all that pans out. You can fix a lot of those things because a lot of those things are mental. Defense gave up 35 points in this game, including two touchdowns in overtime with 10 seniors. And I, you know, look, as we were looking back at the teams this year in the Big 12 and the teams that Texas would face, I really circled that for Texas Tech and said, man, 10, 10 guys that are seniors on that defense. That's a lot of experience. You're not going to find a lot of teams across the country that have 10 seniors on defense. So I think a question mark for Tech whether is, you know, whether they can get focused, but also who's going to play quarterback in this game? And I'm not trying to start like a – I'm not trying to start a QB controversy at Tech, but Tech has never won a game that Tyler Shuck started and finished. Not one time in his career has he started a game, finished a game with Texas Tech winning. And then you've got a lot of Tech fans that are already on Twitter calling for Baron Morton. I don't know. We'll see. I I haven't heard anything that suggests that it's not going to be shucked, but we'll see. Can the Tech defense bounce back against a powerful Oregon offense? Can those 10 seniors get it together and focus? And can they make some plays against this really, really outstanding Oregon offense? And then can Oregon, that plays in Austin, and we all know about Austin Stadium. It's one of the loudest, craziest places to play in college football. But can they handle the crowd at Jones Stadium? The, you know, Jones Stadium has a wild crowd, especially at night, especially for big opponents. And then I've said it a million times on this show. There is some kind of like, you know, they talk about Sooner magic. There's just like the Sooner magic. There is some kind of magic about Jones Stadium for Texas Tech. It's always wild. E- even when it's not even supposed to be close, a lot of times, a lot, a lot of times they figure out how to make it a close game, and there's always this wild ending to those close games. So can Oregon come in and sort of weather that storm, or does Oregon come in and just from the get-go just start running over the top of Texas Tech? Neither team played a great opponent in week one. One of them lost. The other one didn't. I do think there's something to Jones Stadium at night. 
And I look for that tech defense to bounce back a little bit. I don't think, I don't think Oregon scoring 81 points in this game. I think tech will keep it close throughout the game, but Oregon's going to win this one in a sort of semi shootout 45, 31. They'll score late to kind of, kind of cap it off and, and put it out of reach for Texas tech. Now, here we go on, here we go on to the, the real game at Texas Longhorns at the Alabama Crimson Tide. This game kicks at 6 p.m. Central time on ESPN. One thing I heard earlier this week, there are going to be 15 players. We have one or two at their position in the 2024 through 2026 recruiting classes at this game. 40 blue chips overall visiting for this game. That's important. A lot of them are already committed to Alabama. I'm sure some of them are committed to Georgia. Bama's a seven-point favorite in this game. Again, this is a rematch of last year's 20-19 Bama win in Austin. Bama starts the year in week one with just a 56-7 clubbing of Middle Tennessee State University. Uh, Jalen Milrow looked pretty good in that game. He was efficient. He had 194 yards passing, three touchdowns. He added a couple more on the ground. Alabama had over 200 yards on the ground in this game. And defensively, they only gave up 211 yards. So pretty dominating performance. But it was against Middle Tennessee State. Texas kind of had an unimpressive 37-10 win over Rice. Ewers threw for 263 touchdowns. Added another touchdown on the ground. The offensive line for Texas, I think, really struggled early on in that game against Rice. They gave up some sacks. They, they just had trouble in short yardage situations. Texas only rushed for 158 yards in this game, and I think we talked about it going into this game. This is the type of game where you should just line up and run right over the top of Rice if you're the University of Texas. And if, if you've got these playoff aspirations and you've got these 10, 11, 12 win season aspirations, you should be able to just line up and run the ball right over the top of somebody like Rice, and they just didn't do it. The one good thing about the game on Saturday for Texas was the defense was absolutely suffocating. Uh, they caused three turnovers. They only gave up 176 yards total, and they only allowed 27 yards on the ground. And that front seven was active the entire game. Just Rice couldn't handle them. So I think some question marks as we as we head into this game tomorrow is can Texas be the storm in a big road game instead of trying to go just weather the storm? It's going to be rough going into Bryant-Denny Stadium. The crowd's going to be jacked. Alabama's going to be jacked. I, I won't speak for Alabama fans, but this is a really big out-of-conference home game for them. I know they play a lot of really good home or a lot of really good home games in the SEC, but I don't know that they've played this type of out-of-conference home game in a while. So I think the atmosphere is going to be amazing. And I wonder for Texas if they can go in and sort of feed off of that atmosphere and try to get ahead early instead of just trying to not get beat early. I think another question for Texas is, can that offensive line give viewers time in the passing game? And can they move a pretty stout Bama front seven in the run game? The run game is going to be key for Texas. Hey, what's up, Nash? Now, I'm not, in, I'm not in Bama right now. I'm in Mississippi. I'll be in Tuscaloosa tomorrow morning, obviously. Thanks for joining the show. 
So yeah, can that offensive line can they can they protect Ewers? Last year, they gave Ewers some time early on, and he made some big plays. But then there were some other plays where they didn't give him time. He ended up getting hurt. They really have to keep him clean in this game. I think another question mark for Texas is can they contain Jalen Milrow in the QB run game? Not, I'm not so much worried about him in the passing game. I think our defensive line. Uh, is going to get some pressure on Jalen Milrow. And I think the secondary is really, really good. And then you've got Jalen Ford running around in the intermediate route zones, just picking off passes. That's what he does. I, I'm not I'm not saying Jalen Milrow can't throw the ball and that Alabama is not dangerous through the air, but I'm not worried about them making a lot of hay there. What I am worried about is those off plays where the passing lane, where the passing breaks down, there's nothing there for Jalen Milrow to throw to. And so he starts scrambling around, finds a hole, and gets down the field for like 40 yards before you even blink an eye. That's what Texas has got to make sure they contain or it'll be a long night for them defensively. There's nothing worse than having everything covered up, getting a lot of pressure on the quarterback, and he somehow finds a way to sneak out of it and get a huge gain out of it. Those are pretty demoralizing for a defense. I think on the Alabama side, can a banged-up Bama secondary hang with one of the best wide receiver rooms in the nation? I don't know. I don't know how many of those guys are going to play. I think the Texas off, or excuse me, I think the Texas wide receivers are going to—they're going to get open a lot. They're going to get down the field a lot. I think the key is can that offensive line give Quinn Ewers time, and can Quinn Ewers be accurate with the ball to his wide receivers? Bama's going to want to come in. They're going to get the uh, running game going against a pretty stout Texas front seven. I know some of the Bama fans had some, you know, I think a lot of Bama fans had some of the same concerns after the Middle Tennessee State State game that Texas fans had after the Rice game with the offensive line. It wasn't, it, it just wasn't as dominant as you would want to see when you consider the opponent. I think another interesting thing about this game is you look back to 2009 when Bama really broke out under Nick Saban. You know, they had a pretty good year uh, in 2008, but in 2009, they obviously go undefeated. They go to the national championship game. They win that national championship game against Texas, and then boom, Alabama just absolutely explodes. Dynasty mode, uh, Xbox or X Games mode, whatever you want to say. Like, Nick Saban could not be stopped. He rattled off six national championships, uh, I think, within nine years, ten years, something like that. Just an amazing run for Alabama. Can this be the type of game where Steve Sarkeesian and Texas get their breakout year started with a big win over Bama Saturday night on the road in Bryant-Denny Stadium? Or does Nick Saban do what Nick Saban does a lot and press his boot down on Sark's throat? And does Bama prove that last year's really close game in Austin was just kind of a fluke? Again, I think this is going to be an absolutely electric atmosphere. Game day is going to be there. I've already seen a ton of Texas folks on our travels out here to Mississippi. There's going to be a ton of Texas people at the game on Saturday. Texas always travels well, and especially for games like this. You got two blue blood programs, and I was thinking about it this morning. How cool would it be if Keith Jackson was still alive? This is like the perfect type of game for Keith Jackson to call. I would love to hear Keith Jackson call this game. 
Rest in peace, Keith Jackson. And then I think this game, you know, both these teams are 1-0. Both these teams are looking ahead towards being there at the end of the season and being in the playoffs. So I think this game has a big, some big-time postseason implications. If you're Texas and you want to be back and you want to head into the SEC in 2024 and be ready to go play that type of schedule, eventually you're going to have to win one of these types of games. It's a road game. You're playing an elite opponent. You're in the national spotlight. And for Texas, this could be their only chance to really make a statement game in 2023. I think you look at Oklahoma as maybe being an opportunity for Texas to make a statement game. But if you look at the rest of their schedule, there's not a lot of teams on there that I think are going to be considered elite when the season is over. So I think this is a perfect opportunity for them to be able to, to go on the road and show the country, show the college football world that, that they are in fact back. I mean, the media has been saying Texas is back for the last 10 years. Will this be the year that Texas actually goes and wins a game like this and is actually back? We'll have to see. The most intriguing matchup in this game for me, I think, is the Bama offensive line against the Texas defensive line. I think those are the I think those two units are the strength of both of these teams. I think whoever wins that battle more consistently is going to win this game. You look at the Texas offense and the Bama defense, I feel like they're a wash. Alabama's going to have a really good defense. That's what Nick Saban does. I think Texas has the potential to have a very, very explosive offense. We didn't really see it that much in game one, although we did see some explosive plays. But they missed on a lot of plays that that you would say, you know, those would be your explosive pay plays. There was three or four balls down the field that, you know, had they connected on, uh, those would have been very big plays for Texas, and they just didn't do it. So until until Texas can do that, I don't think you can say they're an elite explosive offense. I think you can say they have the potential to be that. I think this game's going to be a lot like last year's game. I think it's going to be lower scoring than most people think. I've seen a ton of, you know, people saying Alabama's going to kill Texas. And I've seen a lot of Texas fans, you know, saying crazy stuff like Texas is going to go in there and, and whip up on Alabama. I don't think I don't think that's going to happen. I think this is going to be a very defensive sort of low scoring game. I think one or two plays are going to make a difference in this game, just like they did in the game last year. Alabama had that big run early on for a touchdown. Uh, Bryce Young had a run real late in the game that set him up for the game-winning field goal. And then on the Texas side, you got that almost safety that that happened but didn't happen. Uh, I think whoever wins the most of those types of plays is going to win this game. There's two sides to my Texas fandom, folks. There's my heart that says Texas can go play with anybody. Texas is absolutely going to walk into Tuscaloosa tomorrow night, and Texas is going to dominate this game. But then there's my logical side, and my logical side is saying right now to me, Texas just hasn't done anything in the last, you know, the last time Texas did anything remotely close to what Texas will have to do to go win this game in Tuscaloosa was go to the Sugar Bowl and beat Georgia, and that was in 2008. I want to believe that Texas can go win this game, but right now my logical side is really pulling on me the other direction and, and, and making me feel like it's not going to happen. 
you got Texas trying to reverse a decade and a half of just sort of mediocrity in one game. And then you got Nick Saban on the other side, who's Nick Saban. He just doesn't lose at home. He, he, he rarely loses these types of games. I think there is an immense amount of pressure on Quinn Ewers to perform in this game. There's been a ton of first round draft pick talk about Quinn Ewers all off season. I know Sark is going to put this game on his shoulders and I, you know, unless Texas can just come out and, and stick with the run and make a lot of hay in the run game. I think we're going to see Quinn Ewers throw the ball a whole lot in this game. Can that Texas offensive line hold up? Can they protect Ewers? We're going to have to find out. I think Texas has a better shot this year than they did last year, but I think Bama gets it done tomorrow night. I think Bama's going to win this game 27 to 24 in a really, really close one. Check us out Monday. We're going to have the week two trace other games recap. And obviously we're going to have the Bama game recap. We'll talk about any kind of recruiting news that's happened since this show. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Check out, check us out. Check out the podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you just like to ride around in the car and listen to sports talk, check us out there. Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, all at Horn Takes. You can email me at horntakespodcast at gmail.com with all your questions, comments, concerns, and criticisms. You guys have a good weekend and get hooked.